Hey everyone, I want to invite you to turn to Philippians 2, 14 to 16, if you're able. We spent a good chunk of last week talking about things we want to start doing, things we want to set our minds on. Today I want to talk a bit about something we may want to stop doing if we are doing it, or maybe this will serve as a preemptive strike given the current uh, conditions of our world. Paul is writing to a church in Philippi, and he says this, do everything Everything you do without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's a quote there. We'll get to that in a moment. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So let's just walk through this text quickly. Uh, Do everything without grumbling. This word here is gongismos. If you're alone or if you're with your children, turn to them and just say, Gongismo, stop doing that. Um, The idea here is basically muttering, murmuring, uh, low, suppressed discourse. It's kind of the expression of like secret discontent, murmuring or complaint. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't look this up if this is actually an etymology of the word, but Gongismo, think of like gonging, like making noise. He's saying, don't, don't just make noise and have this subtle discontent, this grumbling, being preoccupied with that. That's not who you are. He says, that's not who you are. Uh, and then uh, arguing. Uh, this is reasoning that has an ulterior or malicious desire. Don't, don't, don't engage in this. It's not just reasoning to find truth that has this ulterior or malicious desire to it. These two words jumped to mind as I was mapping out this week of podcasts thinking, huh, complaining and grumbling are things that I know are rising up in my own heart and in my family's culture. And uh, I wanted to, to talk about the story here that Paul is referencing. Paul throughout this whole section is referencing a classic Hebrew story, a pivotal moment, arguably something that Without understanding it, it's hard to understand the whole scriptures, Old Testament and New, in the life of the Israelites. He's referencing the Exodus story. If you're unfamiliar with the Exodus story, um, I'm going to keep touching in on it, but go, I don't know, watch a film or read the, uh, that section in the scriptures. The story of Exodus basically is the story of a group of people. These are God's people, the Bible calls them. They are blessed to be a blessing to the world. God begins the rescue of this world with a particular people. They find themselves, for a number of reasons, stuck in slavery in Egypt. God reaches out his hand and in grace and mercy rescues them from slavery. But the people, quote, they grumble and complain. Uh, The path in the wilderness post-slavery is very difficult, and they grumble and complain. This comes up over and over, and they ask in one section, why did you bring us out here? Did you bring us out here to die? They, they just don't appreciate what's happening. They don't have the perspective that they need to have. They don't get what's going on, uh, and they kind of lose the plot. Uh, Deuteronomy 32.5, it says they are, a corrupt, uh, they are corrupt and not his children. Uh, to their shame, they are a warped and crooked generation. So this happens way earlier in the story. Paul directly quotes this section. Um, he hearkens back to the story in a number of different ways, and he takes something from the story, and then he, he flips it. We're going to see in a moment. He turns it. Uh, this famous text in Deuteronomy uh, is a denouncement 
of these people who did not get what God was doing. Um, they're not even like the children of God, saying they, 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 they grumble and they complain. They're, they're being like the rest of the world, not realizing they are loved and being carried and they are known. Uh, Paul then uses this to remind this church in Philippi of who they are. And Paul does this all the time. In fact, writers throughout the scriptures do this. They spend more time telling people who they are than who they aren't. More time telling people what they're about than what not to do. Because if you know who you are, if you have a sense of this is who I am and this is how we roll in this family, if you know that you were made in the image of God, if you know your identity is in Christ, um, you often don't need a bunch of lists of what to not do because you know who you are. You are children of God without fault because of what Jesus did for you. Uh, He says, you've been rescued out of slavery. He says that in the letter of uh, Galatians. You're a new creation, he says to the church in Corinth. You are seated with Christ, more than a conqueror, God's friend, chosen, beloved, forgiven, treasured. Um, Again, God's kids. The scripture writers seem to go to great lengths to remind us who we are in Christ. You aren't like those in the desert. Paul is essentially saying like how this story went in this pivotal story that these people he's writing to would have understood is not how the story has to go. They may have, um, they may have missed the point, but you don't have to miss it. This is how the story went then. They were rescued. They found themselves then in a hard place. And instead of giving praise, instead of keeping their perspective on who God is, instead of knowing the bigger story, um, they, they didn't. Um, it's not how the story has to go. You don't actually um, have to cave to grumbling and complaining. How the story went is not how the story has to go. I can think about this in all sorts of things. Like your father might have been an alcoholic, but you don't have to be. Your mother might have been relationally distant, but you don't have to be. Your parents' marriage might have ended in divorce, but, but maybe you can fight in a different way and yours doesn't have to. How the story went is not how the story has to go. This seems to be some of the subtext here for Paul. You are children of God, shine like stars. It's almost as if he's saying like, the, like we think we need more. The Israelites thought they did. Um, they, needed, they needed more from God when God was giving them all that they needed. Um, we want our own way, we find this Hebrew tribe saying when they're out in the wilderness after they've been rescued from slavery um, and uh, instead of wanting the way of God. And the big one for me is like they lack perspective, perspective which is sort of the Exodus syndrome in general. Like we need to see God's goodness like life is a gift and embrace the opportunity in front of us. And they lose the perspective in this moment where they find themselves grumbling, complaining, and forgetting who they are and forgetting the, the, the reality of God with them. Now, related to all of this very directly, the rabbis tell an ancient story about the Exodus and about how these people who have been rescued from slavery, how they continue to grumble and argue even after this unbelievable act of liberation has been done on their behalf. So again, a reminder for people who don't know the Exodus story, it sort of begins, uh, or the, the high, one of the high points of the story is, is as they are... Um, escaping and fleeing their oppressors, God does a miraculous act, pulls the waters back and allows them, parts the sea and allows them to go through. 
and be rescued. And so the ancient rabbis tell the story, and this isn't in the scriptures, um, but they tell the story of two former slaves who were rescued. The sea has been miraculously parted and they are being led through it to the other side. But they find themselves walking along the sea floor and they begin complaining because it's muddy. It's like, it's just kind of gross. As they're being rescued, they, they are, their heads are down. And one says, I'm getting mud on my sandals. And the other says, I'm getting mud in between my toes. And I hate that feeling. It's just so gross. Their heads are down and they are preoccupied by this. And the rabbis say, and so they continued on complaining about the mud in their sandals and between their toes. And because their heads were down, because their heads were down, they weren't looking up to see the walls of water being held back for their safety and liberation. There's a line that is often repeated in the scriptures. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Like remember, remember how you've been rescued. Remember God's grace and his mercy. Remember, we talked last week about how hard it is sometimes living between what God's done before and what you're hoping God will do. But this is the story of so much of our human existence. This is the story that comes up in the scripture. All the doubt and ache and complaining and arguing. God is warning against this saying, don't forget, don't forget. So a line that comes up often in scripture is remember you were slaves in Egypt. Remember who you were. There's one uh, reading, remember your father was a wandering Aramean. Like, remember you were a homeless refugee. Remember that you have been saved by grace through faith. Remember the goodness of our God. And when we do that, when we remember we are children of God, you will shine like stars in a generation that wants to grumble and complain and is enslaved to to the moment right in front of them. Can so easily be captured or captivated by the pain or struggle right in front of them and fail to have that bigger perspective of what's happening. And so I just encourage you today, may we be a people who are known not for complaining or grumbling or arguing. Such people are so rare, so countercultural, that we may be, be that counterculture that we shine like stars and will cause people to wonder you know, to, to, to wonder and to be led to Christ. Lord, we pray uh, that whatever temptations there may be to grumble and complain, to get bogged down in all of the details and all of the stresses and anxieties of this day, which are so real. Or may we remember, Lord, who and whose we are. May we, as we've been talking about day in and day out, set our minds on the things above, on the larger story, on the fact, Lord, that you save, that you rescue. You've done it before and we'll do it again and give us all we need in this current moment to be people who, um, who don't have our head down as you are working around us, 
So many stories, Lord, I could share if I had time this morning of just what you've been doing in people's hearts and lives, the ways in which you're moving in our city, the ways in which you are spurring people on to love and care and bless those around them. Um, God, we don't want to miss the miracle in the midst of this anxious moment, this hard moment. So help us, Lord. Help us. May we be a people who are known Lord, not for complaining or grumbling. Lord, may we be a people, Lord, known um, known for our love for you, Lord, known for our steadfastness, our peace, Lord, in a difficult time. In your name we pray, amen. Peace be with you.